a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. Zero Limits listeners, on today's Zero Limits podcast, I am here in the studio with a dear friend. We're going to do a bit of a debrief on, uh, I guess, his life and more what he's been doing. Willie. <laughs> really? Mate. I was like, just figure out my name. <laughs> After dear friend, I'm like, I was thinking about what I was thinking about what to say. Because we ate, we ate too much sushi beforehand. <laughs> mate. We're all full of fish. We're all mercury poisoning. Matthew Williams is one T or two T's. Two. Yeah, but with good. an O-I-M after it, thanks. Thanks, champ. <laughs> peace time, VC. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Mate, how you doing? I'm good, man. Well, actually, I'm sitting here in a sling with a broken elbow. So mm. so good other than that, everything is well. But yeah, a little bit of pain, but tripped over on the bloody – on the road. My best mate messaged me. is like, you survived a invasion by a near-peer partner <laughs> and you broke your arm falling on the footpath at the front of your house. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any CCTV around? Yeah, the house next to me has. Oh, cameras. they got it, did they? Well, I'm too shy to go over there and ask. Like, <laughs> I've said to Lily, my partner, I'm like, you go over there, and she's like, "I'm not going without you." And I'm like, "I'm not going." Like, yeah. I can't rock on and be like, "I'm the idiot that axed myself at the front of your house." <laughs> yeah, yeah mate. Yeah, as I said, oh fuck, you were up here anyway, so I thought let's catch up. Mm. I've been speaking to you for the last few weeks, so let's let's do a bit of a debrief. I want to find, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the Ukraine because that's the forgotten about war already. Mm. Obviously, you've been over in Israel for the last couple of months mm. uh, until, you know, you got back and you are planning to go again, but you've done yourself some mischief, so you yep. can't just yet. So we'll definitely want to touch on those two things. But before we do, mate, quick, uh, give us a quick update on your health. Well, I don't know. I cancelled my um, neuro appointment because I was in Israel. Uh, yep. It didn't work. And neurosurgeons' bloody wait times and stuff are crazy. Um, and to get in the specific machine I need to is pretty crazy. There's only there's only one or two of them in SA. I've got a funk. Oh, sorry in Australia, functional MRIs. So I don't know. Um, I, I don't know on the tumour at the moment. I'm too 
shit, maybe even three months past my date I was meant to. I'm not worried about it at all. I, I really don't think about it. Um, but otherwise, yeah, otherwise good. <laughs> other, other, other than, other than, than the bloody arm. arm, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world, yeah. uh, most stupid thing ever. But uh, yeah, otherwise, man, health is health is good. Just getting on, and yeah, you always have that like post trip, uh, like almost like post trip blues. Like I think a lot of people diagnose it as like PTSD. It's not. It's just post trip blues. You were doing something twenty four hours a day all the mm. time. Had a purpose. It's the exact same thing when you get home from any trip you've done in. Afghan or privately or even a holiday, you get that like, oh, what, the, what do I do now? This is boring. Yeah. I'm back at work. This sucks. Um, so you always have that like coming out of like Israel, Ukraine. You're like, oh, that was fun and exciting and things different, happening. It, it is. But it's, it's not all like coming thing. back from Hawaii. No, well, it depends. But like, <laughs> it depends. depends what you got up to. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's full on for a bit. But then you come back and you're like, you realize how boring everyday life can be, if that yeah. makes sense. And you're like, yeah. This, You're a war junkie. This sucks. So, well, yeah, it, well, almost a purpose junkie. And I think a lot mm. of guys have this back from like Afghan. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're like, well, I had a – it was simple. Like, And it, going over to – it's like a deployment when I go across. It's very simple. It's like I get up, I eat, I go to wherever the, the front is or wherever a story is, I come back. And like my only concern is like having somewhere to sleep, bloody filming something and eating. And that's it. And I come back and it's like I've got to pay this fucking internet bill and – Oh, the Lily's like, oh, the fridge is broken. <laughs> All this admin stuff, which just piles on this life. Real world like, this stuff. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. As I said, mate, what I want to do, let's do, get into a little bit of the international politics, I guess, when it comes to both of these sides. Now, what I want to do, let's first quickly touch on, or I wouldn't say quickly, but let's touch on the Ukraine Russian war. Because mm. that was the first time, I guess, you went overseas and you were there for, you know, obviously when the, when the day happened. Yeah. And what we're almost. Two years in, yeah. Two coming years up, next uh, month. Next month, yeah. yep. Uh, which is a fucking long time. Hell of a long time. Now, w- where's it at? Because obviously the the media, Channel Nine's just given up. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing. You know, they're, yeah. they're focused on other stuff now. Um, what's happening? Where are, where uh, are we at? Uh, well, is there a winner? Is there a loser? Well, there's no winner and loser. Well, there's no winner and loser when both sides have lost tens, if not hundreds of thousands. Well. In the hundreds of thousands, we just don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people, uh, men, women, children, civilians, soldiers, doesn't matter. There's no there's no winner or loser in this. And the officials in Ukraine will bloody hate if someone says it's a stalemate, which one of the officials had called it a stalemate and then retracted it, but it is. If, if you look at a war that in the past 12 months has had two villages, small towns, come under control, being Madiinka, Bakhmut, by the Russians. But the change in ground is 0.01% month on month and they had the wrap-up only today by one of the mapping sources I use of the overall ground change and it's 0.00-something percent over the year because Ukraine made, you know, they made 0.04% in when they first launched the offensive and then 0.01, 0.01. Then Russia made back a lot in the last month. And it's a stalemate. Like, like you can't tell me that if both sides are sh- their air defense is shooting down a lot of that stuff, that the front line is pretty much not moving. That is a stalemate. You're entrenched systems, and I'm talking to a guy only tomorrow offline about the biological effect of rats and rot in the trenches. You can't tell me that's not a stalemate. If people are dying by numbers or getting maybe not even dying, but you know, getting sick and off the front line by rats trench foot cold in the trenches. This is a stalemate war and that's where Ukraine has got to and this is the problem for Ukraine 
is Ukraine's most important thing other than the frontline soldiers is the PR campaign. They need to have this belief continued and reassure people they can still win the war. And early on in the war, the morale was super high, and especially when this counteroffensive launched early this year. I think probably too high. They, expect, they put the expectation very high. You know, people were organising parties, beach parties in Crimea for summer, and they set the expectation very high where any military analyst, any, any military, anyone with common sense goes, look, I know everyone shit cans the Russian military, and yeah, the Russian military is not even a percentage, not even a fraction of what we believed it was, but there's still a million men on the front line somewhere. They still have fighter jets. They've still got Navy. They've still got cruise missiles. This isn't going to be a walk over the top with leopard tanks and walk into Crimea. That is not going to be that. And the expectation was that. And when it wasn't that, when the counteroffensive, the long-awaited built-up, they released a movie-style trailer, ended up making about eight kilometres, four or five villages. It had a massive dip in morale. And I think the, I think they did some good stuff in the offensive. I think some of the areas they got bridgeheads is very important. But at the same time, we will never know the cost of that. What actual casualties were taken getting that amount? And there's little bits and pieces that indicate that it was very high for Ukraine. And like it or not, like I think a human life is incredibly important no matter whose it is. I don't care who it is. It's incredibly important. But it is more important for Ukraine to take less casualties than Russia. Russia's got near mm. on four times the population. They, you know, people are, well, Russia's taking this many. Yeah, but you need to be at a quarter of that to be sustainable. What we don't know. We have no idea what the casualties actually are. And I don't believe any figures from anywhere, whether it's, you know, the British MOD release figures and I'm like, as it will. You know, it's, I, don't, I don't give a shit. Um, we'll get a range after and that'll be good. But the indicators are, well, Ukraine has dropped the age that they can mobilise people into the military. They're opening up gaps. They're pulling people back from overseas. So there's indications that the casualties were high. You know, there's more Operation Kudus, which a lot of your listeners will be familiar with, of guys going over to train Ukrainian soldiers in the UK. And it's like, well, more and more of this mobilisation, you know, conscription stuff is not going to be happening if there wasn't huge casualties. And that's the question of this war has reached, in my opinion, a, a point of stalemate attrition, attritional warfare of it's Russia's industry versus the West's appetite for war. It's not versus – if it was versus Ukraine industry, the war would be over tomorrow. Ukraine, they make some shells and make some vehicles, but in the numbers they have is incredibly small. What they've done with it is, is brilliant. Like, you know, to still have MiG-29 aircrafts flying in the air two years into a war – with a country that has 50 times your air force, more, 100 times your air force, is a feat, not to knock that. But Ukraine's sort of local industry is not there. What it's reliant on, and this is the bad thing for Ukraine, it's reliant on our appetite for this war. And our appetite for this war with Israel dropped. Like you look at the Guardian, the Guardian newspaper used to have on their homepage, mm. used to have like, you know, uh, Middle Eastern news, American news, Ukraine, then whatever, and they've taken away the, the Ukraine, like, link, like, link. You need to go and find their Ukraine news now. And the stalemate doesn't help with this because people want good news or bad. They want news. They want something. Whether it's good or bad, they want something other than we're sitting in trenches trying to move and a lot of people are dying and the big successes are hundreds of metres. And with Israel, war, war is like sex. It sells. War sells when things are happening and it's the best time for media 
when shit's happening and it's taken over it. Yeah, of course, of course. Now, you being in the Ukraine <clears throat> when you were there, what was the mood like on the ground for these troops? As we know, as you said, even when you were there, there was taking a lot of casualties on the Ukrainian side. And obviously that was the side that you were on because you weren't allowed to go to that yeah. the other side. What was the, the attitude like on the, on yeah. the ground? Because you, you made it up to the front lines. Yeah, well, well it had a huge shift in the war. So I was there in the very beginning and it was one of fear. Like it's Russia invading. We thought the equivalent sort of uh, overmatch would be if the US invaded Mexico. That's what people – and people will now turn around and be like, oh, no, we never knew – bullshit. We all thought that Russia realistically had that capability. We all did. Maybe not the US but very, very powerful that they would walk across even Europe. And in the beginning, people really believe that. You see cruise missiles. You see VDV coming by helicopter, fixed wing, doing operations into the bloody airport. Like imagine if they landed at, you know, well, it's Kiev airport. Imagine if it's Sydney bloody airport. They're landing helicopters, taking the airport. A fear. Like, holy shit, this is, this is what it is. This is a full-scale war. And then as Ukraine hung on, hung on, got more support, the morale improved. Uh, and, of course, I wasn't there earlier in the in, uh, offensive actions here, but uh, – uh, last year, sorry, but I still talked to a lot of guys and the morale is very high of like, hey, we're going to win this. We're going to win. We're going to take this back. And the West has finally supplied Abrams and Leopards and this is the start to this roll-on of equipment. And so there's been very peaks and troughs. But I will say right now there's a lot of pessimism uh, towards how things are going. And this isn't reflected through official statements or a lot of the media, but it is it is true. There's a lot of guys who I speak to mainly offline, who are like, this is fucked. Like, where, where, there was, who the hell is commanding this? Like, I know there was ABC did a really good article with a, a young guy that lost his legs, a Ukrainian fella, and he was like, this is, a, it was a complete waste. He said, we went in with no idea of what was to happen. We shouldn't have gone in. And I've spoken to so many military analysts who were like, we would not do this without air support. Like, we, you are sending guys into a death trap without any air no choppers, no no attack helicopters, none for evac, no fast air, basically no cruise missiles. You've got artillery-level missiles as far as HIMARS, but still limited capacity. That if an if a Australian colonel or brigadier or whatever tried to launch the bloody 7th Battalion into something, frontal assault on built-in enemy positions, multi-layered, several defences without air, air support, he'd be put in jail. Yeah. And... I don't blame the commanders for this because we didn't give them the stuff. Like they had to show something. But how much effect has that had on the front line? And I still think I've become, I'm coming around to this theory more and more that the deciding factor so far in this war has been Bakhmut, which we maybe spoke about last time in the east of the country and the city there. Not a very big city. I've been there multiple times under the shelling. Uh, but both sides were saying – we're only holding – it's strategically not important. And then there was a bit if and but because Zelensky said that it is very important. So I was like, hang on, which is it? But both sides were saying we're killing that many of the other soldiers. We're killing that many of them that we're holding it because we're going to stop them ever launching an offensive again. And I've come around to you're both not lying. You're both killing that many of each other in that small city that it has, it has really foiled any – recent offensive actions, but the difference in that city is primarily the casualties were Russian Wagner, PMC, who they were not Russian normal soldiers. So if you lose numbers ever PMC, that doesn't affect your 
ability of your army as much as pouring in Ukrainian soldiers into there. And I believe that both sides are telling the truth, that both sides were like, we're killing hundreds or thousands a day. We're going to hold this and just, you know, wear them down. And I think we've seen this flow and effect into Ukraine's offensives with with just how it's been. It really fizzled very quickly. But there's also been a lot of equipment not seen too. So a lot of people have been like, have they known that, hey, this isn't going to break through currently? We need to wait. Yes, we've seen a lot of Bradleys killed, like a lot of Bradleys have been taken out. Some Leopard 2A6s, some 2A4s, whatever, one or two Charlie 2s. There's still a hell of a lot of equipment we know they've got, like Ukraine's got, and we haven't seen it yet. And there's two theories on this. One, Ukraine is waiting for something to open up and push through, or the more unpopular theory is that Russia's missile attacks are more deadly than people would like to make out. Like the one yes, last night or the night before was the largest missile mm. attack in the whole war, you know, 180 missiles or something, and Ukraine will say they shot down 165 of them or something, something along those numbers, very high percentages. Now we don't know because it's illegal to film the missiles now. But Is it? Yeah, no. so yeah, the SBU who's like the um, – it's not the CIA or ASIS. It's more like your KGB. So it yep. rose out of the KGB. So they've got the SBU and the G, uh, GUR. Um, Russia has a GRU. I mean, I might be the wrong way and which one's which, but same thing. Uh, the SBU rose out of the KGB and they, they were coming to arrest people who put up any footage or whatever because people are getting battle damage assessment. But also it's part of the propaganda as well. And both sides and the West has their own propaganda as well. So we don't know the actual effect of these missiles. And there is a theory that, no, there's, what if these are actually more successful than we think and they are hitting areas where this stuff is stored? Could be – it's a working theory. We haven't seen a lot of it yet. Yeah. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Mate, what, I guess one of the biggest questions that we're currently facing now within this uh, whole conflict is where is it, all this money going? You know, the, the yeah. US have dropped billions. Mm. Australia's, well, we're throwing money. Where's it going? You know, obviously they're getting all this equipment, yeah. but it's getting burned up pretty quick. Mm. The money, obviously some bloke got caught fucking bezeling 40 mil. Yeah. Well, well, I think if any government expenditure, we should always ask where the, where the, is this money going? Yeah. With the yes-no campaign for the uh, Indigenous voice to parliament, $400 million? Gone. Give me a million bucks. I'll walk around every house in Australia and bloody ask yes or no. Like, yeah. Yeah. where is the fuck is that money going? And Give me a million dollars, I'll say yes. Yeah, I think this comes <laughs> into a wider thing of like there's no accountability for money spent from governments. Like there's fucking none. And – I've talked to a lot of guys over there who are doing like mid-level, high-level operations, um, doing some stuff like for tracking some of this coming in. And they're like, it's not only that some of it goes missing, but some of it's not complete. Like we'll send over an M777, but not with the drones and stuff. With it. And it's like, well, this is – you're sort of doing a half-assed job. It's like, well, here's a weapon system. There you go. Go to the front line. It's like we wouldn't do that. Um, but there's, there's money going missing. Of course there is. A lot of it stays – in our economies too, more so America than ours. We don't have the industry. We have a large industry, but nothing on the states as far as what they build. That you know, if America send over M4s, well, they're all American made. All the money goes into bloody Colt or whoever's building them at the time. So a lot of the money does stay within the economy, but there is millions upon millions missing, um, embezzled through things. And they're very open about this. The SBU who's Ukraine's intelligence service, they released uh, a, a thing the other day. They arrested one of the politicians embezzling $40 million. And, you know, this is once we hear about it. There's a lot of it. And to say that there's not this culture of corruption in Ukraine and Russia is completely wrong. 
We've seen the exact same thing in Russia. We see that the propellers on the big ships, so it, it's I think they're copper or brass, but I think it's copper. And one of the bloody one of the commanders of the ships over in Russia, he sold off the copper and put mild steel props on it. Like, <laughs> like there is that there is that mindset. Uh, and Russia's the same, and Ukraine has this. You know, and you speak to guys openly, like oh, heaps of shit goes missing. Um, that someone will work up and we'll just I don't know, the, the javelins are gone, and it's like what? And it doesn't mean that they're being sold off. It means they're not where they should be. But there is there'll be a lot of like you think that there's accountability for every dollar spent. Bullshit. And we yeah. saw that in the US. The US. Yeah. Uh, when they redid their bloody tax adjusting and found like $5 billion. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like imagine if you do your tax time mid-year next, or this year and you're missing 50 bucks. The ATO will be banging on your door with guys in bloody black police outfits and Congress has found $6 billion more to send. And you're like, hang on. So you're not even accountable for your own money. Mm. I can see why people are going, people go, oh, but it's only $200, $300 per person when you take up the US, the US population. Like, one, a lot of people are struggling for money in the States right now. A lot of people are struggling all around the world. So I can see why people are like, I don't want to send money over there because they may not see the bigger picture on the geopolitics. And people don't need to either. People can have their own mind about whatever. Um, but there needs to be some accountability. But it's very hard with the money breakup of where it goes, who is saying what's worth what. Like there's no secondhand – you know what your – Toyota is worth because you go on car size, you go, well, these are all selling between 10 and 15 grand, so mine's somewhere in there. How much is a Bushmaster secondhand? No one fucking knows. So they just declare whatever they want it to be worth and send it over. Uh, and the US is doing this, and there's where they can find a lot of money is they've gone, oh, well, we put down the MRAPs as worth, you know, there were $2 million to make new. We put them down to the million. But if we put them down as worth $5, we can free up all this other money. So it's tricky accounting is happening there. So it's it's difficult, man. But the US market loves it. Like the the, the defense markets love it. Yeah, There's course. more money pumped into there than ever. Like if you're a bloody senior leader or an investor investor in Lockheed Martin or whatever, like great. It's really yeah, they need war. It's fantastic. Um so it's difficult because it's not like we're just packaging up a hundred bill and sending it, but there is some like we're funding, we're paying all the politicians' wages, like Zelensky's wage, whatever that's all funded by the states. Um, and people need – I think it's it's important for people to know that. Whether they agree or disagree, it doesn't matter. It's important to know that, that part of that money is things like that. It's pensions, it's wages, it's upkeep, it's ISR. Like, And this is one of the big ones people don't realise is the actual ISR cost. Like, you know, to have bloody wedge-tail aircraft in the air the whole time over the Black Sea or Poland, that's not cheap. Or satellites routed. Uh, I heard a figure once on what it costs to get a satellite routed somewhere to do – and it's unbelievably mm. expensive for, like, the states to do. They've got it there. But there's a lot of that going in too. And we benefit out of it as well. Like we really do, the experience that we yeah. get. So I'm not against the spending, but I'm completely for some more accountability of where the fuck is this going. Yeah, of course. So, but how does that reflect to obviously you've got the contacts with the guys on the ground at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you know, if my bosses were fucking blowing fucking money out of their asses, yeah. we're not getting nothing on the ground. At what stage you just go, fuck this, we're, we're done? Oh, man, there's there, like every guy on the front line of Ukraine should have the best possible fucking equipment. They should be mm. decked out and fuck it. The money that's been sent over, the stuff that has been donated, like I have personally seen fucking shipping containers full of bloody top-notch plate carriers and top-notch helmets and NVG, and it's look at look at a photo from the front line. It's not yeah, making right. it there. They're all in the uh, like the Ukrainian digital camouflage like, well, where the fuck is those 50 shipping containers full of multicam that went? 
where's all the M? Like, there should not be a single AK, a single old helmet, plate carrier, all those cams on the front line. The amount of shit that has got sent. You know, yeah, there's a few hundred thousand soldiers on the front line. I guarantee there's been 50 times that amount of stuff go. And it'd be sitting in storage somewhere, probably with some fucking Western NGO who's raised money for it. There are so many, like, as, as long as, as much as I'll knock government officials for some of their dodgy shit, the Western NGOs over there are fucking criminals, mate. The amount of shit they do down to, like, raising money to buy night vision equipment and then sell it off back to Ukrainians or sell it to other Westerners fighting. Oh, it's huge because they can get away with it because these these intelligence services, they've got bigger fish to fry. That's the fucking problem. Um, and also within these intelligence services, there's been a heap of people sprung doing the same shit too. So they're, they're trying to unfuck their own thing too. It's a, it's a mess. But yeah, I get a bit upset when I see guys on the front line, like Ukrainian guys with maybe not a, maybe not a cat torn to carry an IFAC or multicams or an M4 or a, like a good weapon or like where the fuck is all the stuff we sent? Like where is it? And it's, it'll be sitting somewhere in a bloody shipping container or when you go into Ukraine, when you go from the West, because of course the war is in the east of the country, the West is where it borders Poland and Romania, the gear on the soldiers gets worse the worse the further you go east. The best kitted dudes are on the West. You go to some border checkpoint in fucking Lviv, kitted 1,000 out. Ks in the front line, kitted out like you're fucking over West here, and then you get to the fr- near the front and you're like, oh, these dudes have nothing. And you're like, that's how it's working is a lot of these NGOs, I think, are bringing it in and going, well, we're going to drop it in Lviv. And that guy's going to have it and put it on. So yeah. It's a hard and that's, choice. That's the same on the Russian side as well, though, isn't it? Oh shit, yeah. Oh, the, mate, fucking, oh, the corruption over the Russians is fucking insane. Oh yeah, like uh, and well, of course, I don't have the amount sent from like mm. West that we do. Of course, yeah. Maybe from North Korea. Yeah, well, North <laughs> yeah. Korean Iranian shit. Yeah. It's a big problem. Well, a lot of North Korean Iranian stuff got found on Hamas as well. It did yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got a lot of photographs of that. I can show you. So yeah, it's uh, the corruption that's happening in, in Russia is insane too. Like, you see guys without even torn a case. Like just guys sent to the front and you're like, these poor guys, like guys are going conscripted from nowhere, given some old shitty rusty AK and sent to the front. Now it's not as common as people think. There's this whole thing about, there's just propaganda gets released, which is stupid, about the Russians are fighting with shovels. No, they're not. No, they're not. Well, if they were, why did they take that village? Because mm. if they are fighting with shovels and they took that village, that's a bigger problem than if they're fighting with AKs. <laughs> like that's even worse. Um, but... There are the discrepancy in units there is unbelievable in the Russians because their funding works different to ours. Where there's funding released to say the RAR and then seven and six, they get an allotment and it will be within a few million dollars similar to each other. And a few million dollars in army terms is nothing. It's a few javelin missiles. It's yeah. But it's all very similar. Like six is as funded as three, is as funded as seven, mm. pretty much. Where Russia's all their units work within their like township and that town. That unit may just suck. They must have nothing. And the next one across may have everything. And you're the discrepancy in these units, and a lot of guys I talk to fighting, they're like, we'll be up against a unit one day that is legitimate, just conscript with old shitty AKs and nothing. Next thing, dudes will rock up with airframe helmets, night vision thermals, and kicking our ass. And it's like there's no consistency in the units. Um, and, you know, to break a bit of a rumour, that one of the Aussie blokes – um, went up against the Chechens, one of the Chechen units, and he reckons there was the best soldiers ever fought. And there's this whole thing of the Chechens suck. This is all you hear. And he's like, yeah, the, the ones we went up against fucking kicked our ass. We fell back. <laughs> so it's it's a hard one of just the unit to unit. And this is the same on the front line Ukraine too, that you can go from one unit, one front line position to the next and the complete different, different gear. Yeah. 
different training, different gear. It's just, yeah. That's wild. And it should be good. There's no excuse for it. Especially with the money that's been filtered in. Yeah. Fucking yeah, well, hundreds of millions. There of has to be a question dollars. for the soldiers at the front line, like, why don't we have this shit? Like, where the fuck is it? Like, if you're a Ukrainian soldier on the front line right now, not in new boots, multicams, cold weather gear, where the fuck? Like, I know for a fact the Australian Army will have a million sets of cold weather gear sitting around somewhere that we bought back from Afghan that we will learn how to oh, take yeah. home. Why isn't that over there? Like, what? It, it's just one of those things, and I think that will have an effect. I, I think this will have an effect on morale, and as you know, the war can be won and lost on morale. And at the moment, Russia have – they have the morale. They have – they they are – like, if you were to pick right now who is winning, like if you're a betting man right now, who's going to make ground in the next month, you would say Russia, uh, which is a complete swing from what we saw and a concern after all this equipment has gone in that they're still making ground. Yeah, right. So just a couple of final things on this on this conflict, mate. Obviously – Presidential elections coming up uh, within the next month, month or two. How's that going to change things? Will it change things? Well, I think I think that the Congress at the moment they well they went into three week leave over Christmas without approving more money for Ukraine. Now it was a big bill. It was and it wasn't just Ukraine money. It was Israel, uh, Ukraine, the southern border was the main thing, and the Republicans and Democrats couldn't come to agreement on it but it also went into their leave period without it being approved. What shows really for the first time this pushback of Congress and the senators being like, we want to hold back more money here, which is not a good start to this because Ukraine need another $100 billion to win. They might need $200 billion more, and that's to win the war. We're not talking about rebuilding the country. I've heard figures of a trillion dollars to rebuild. So that's a problem if they're already holding up money. And people lean into certain ways of politics that – the Republicans will lean into not funding Ukraine and the Democrats will lean into funding it. So they will lean into their ways for their voters. And it's going to be a very interesting thing within the next 12 months about where the US election goes because, well, firstly, we don't even know where Trump is going to be with what's going on with courts and getting put off ballot sheets and whatever. But it does seem to me as an outsider looking in, the more they try and push him down, the more it actually gives what he says credibility. That if he says this is rigged, this is scammed, we don't have democracy, and then they take him off a ballot. This is what's happening. Even yeah. if what he's done yeah. is fucked, even if that is, it gives him credibility. It goes, people go, well, maybe he's telling the truth. Yeah. So I, it's like the more the more you try it, the more powerful he gets. Um, so it, it will, and they will run on. And he's, he's already said this, well, I'll end the war within 24 hours. Now, will he be able to do that? I don't know. But- because of course you you still need to Putin needs to agree to it. This is this is what people people have this idea of, is that if Ukraine right now put up the hand and said we've we've had enough, we must resign the borders right here. People have this idea that that would happen. You know, why would Putin? Putin does not have to agree to this. He can still go. No, I'm keep going. What happens then? What happens if Trump does get in? We're cutting funding to Ukraine, and Putin's like, great. I'm not signing a deal. I'm going to keep pushing. Then I'm going to take mm. all of it. Mm. So this is the hard thing, and voters are going to have you know it's going to have to come to where they sit on that issue. Israel Gaza will probably be done by that that point with how things are moving, but we'll have a whole influx of other terrorist actions um, as we are with, with the Houthis. Of course. Uh, but it, it will be the defining moment as war. Well. I think if Ukraine want to win the war, they need to do it in 12 months because at the moment, and I, I just watch the – I will look on sports bet to see who's probably going to win, and Trump is winning 
like is the of course, is lower yeah. odds. Yeah. So I think, well, you know, I'm not going to analyse it. So I go, okay, so he's most likely maybe at this point to win. Well, Ukraine need to finish up this war by then because from that point on, it's unknown what will happen here. So that that is going to be a big one. Uh, and Congress, you know, that, that was big. And there's been more pushback. Like, you know, Hungary and the EU has, you know, they've vetoed a heap of money to Ukraine recently as well. And this is the problem with a lot of these two, though, is that if, if one country within NATO or the EU can veto everything, same as Security Council and the UN, it's a bit of a fucking problem because um, not 20 countries are not going to agree on one topic ever. That's why the Security Council is fucking useless. Like you've got Russia, China, India, UK, or maybe India, France instead of India, UK and US, like the five, um, five permanent Security Council members. Tell me one thing that those five countries are going to agree on. Like Russia, China, France, UK, US. Yeah. What? What are they ever going to agree on? The, and they could veto any of it. What are they going to agree on? It's not worth having it. It's a waste of fucking money. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know where this war is going to go. I've said by the end of the war there will be a million dead soldiers no matter what happens. If, if Russia pushes through to the west of the country or even into Kiev, they're going to have to kill a million people to do it because the amount of – because Ukrainians hate Russians. Like, you know, you'll just have every civilian partisan fighting them. And we've seen what's happened with civilians in this war. <laughs> they you know, been actively targeted. But the same way that if Ukraine pushed through Crimea, Donetsk, well, there's a reason that those rebel group militias formed in, in the Donetsk, Luhansk People's Republic and in Crimea as well. Because there's people there that see themselves eth- eth- uh, ethnically Russian, want to fight against Ukraine. So there's going to be a partisan movement there. And this is an understatement massively, is when Ukraine enters somewhere like Crimea, if they enter Sevastopol, this will be the first time they will fight somewhere where the civilian populace is not on their side. Everywhere else they fought, every village, whatever, mm. there might be a 10% of people who are pro-Russian, but 90% or much higher are pro-Ukrainian. Where if they enter those areas, it could be the complete opposite. And Russia's pumped in civilians into those areas for that, so they'll win the vote. So they pump in all the civilians, run the vote, go, oh, look, everyone wants to be fucking Russian. They've done it on purpose. Mm. But it'll, it'll be a very interesting way of this goes. And you can't kick those people out. The UN will stop them kicking them out. So it's going to be a mess, man. No matter, no matter how this unfolds, it is an absolute mess. But I'm on the side that I think Ukraine has the right to defend themselves and push back through their borders. I've, you know, I'm on that side of it. But we also need to be realistic about where this go. Because Russia's talking about, you know, mobilising another half million soldiers kicking up all this industry, there's stuff come, there is stuff filtering through from China into Russia, what fixes their supply issue, like fixes it to no end. Like China can make that much equipment that there's no end to it. And we are wavering. Like we have Western support is wavering. The media is wavering. The media doesn't give a shit about Ukraine anymore, not to the same degree that did. And a lot of countries are like looking inwards going, well, I want to win the election. If Biden wants to win the election, can he go to the election with an active war and two other, like he came in with Afghan falling, Israel started, and an active war in Ukraine. I even he might go. I can't run and win at that. Like I don't polit- politicians want to win elections. Yeah, they don't actually give a shit. Uh, I spe- and people don't like when I say this, but I'm like private defense industry companies. They don't give a fuck. No, this is business. They're selling if. This is business for them. If this company, X company, was allowed to sell shit to the Russians to use against their own shit, mm. they fucking would. No, it's yeah. sanctions that we can't do it. But their money, individuals in the company care. The company's shit, stock, stock price does not give a fuck. Don't think that they're doing this out of the good of the heart. When 
Rain Metal goes, we want to build a factory in Ukraine to build tanks. They're going, Ukraine has cheap labor and they need a fuckload of tanks. That's the reason. Yeah. Rain Metal isn't going, we want to push the Russians back. No. They could build a factory on the other side and like, fuck, yeah. we'll have K, K-52s or whatever the new tank is fine. Just like, ah, fucking do it. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's, it's a hard one we need to get over that line that war is about money and soldiers don't have an appreciation for this. And when you're out or maybe when you're a bit higher in it and you go to these defence conventions, you're like, oh, we're just, we're just the figures that they don't see me as a human on the front line. That's like, like Corporal Willie, he needs $50,000 worth of equipment in Afghanistan. Fuck yeah, we need more of him to fund, fund, fund. That that's how it's looked at, and the stock under stock price of whatever company. Yeah, yeah, right. So you you're thinking twelve months for a Ukraine to make a difference. Otherwise, it could be fucking. Well, how are they going to get bleak. it? If if this year, if, if already Manpower. end of last year, this year Congress is mm. wavering on more support. Going, hey, the offensive didn't really do much. What's another hundred billion going to do? If we get to this point next year and it has been similar to this year, the same question is going to be asked. Exactly. And not only the same question, there's going to be another 100,000 guys out in the mud killed. Like that, that's what's going to happen. And we'll be then entering into the fourth year of war. What do we do? Um, and you never know too. Russia may have the same thing. I think, fuck, we need to stop this as well. You know, Russia's economy is not as shithole as people think. It's not going it can't poorly. Be. Yeah. They still sell a hell of a lot of stuff through back channels. Mm. For instance, like, okay, the the oil is sanctioned, but they haven't sanctioned crude. So they're exporting crude on absolute record high, like unbelievable amounts of crude, and then it's getting refined somewhere else and they're selling Then they're selling the oil back. So, yeah, it's the sanctions have not done as much of a job as we would think, and – how long can how long do we keep the sanctions? How long can they continue the sanctions? These are all questions that no one knows. We also don't know the full production capacity of Russia either. We don't know how much of this stuff they can produce to what they can replace. Because in the beginning of the war, they were not meeting replacement of missiles, tanks, helicopters. They, but a lot of times, countries don't in the beginning of conflicts. Where now it's looking like more they can meet that replacement. That's an issue, and. Russia can meet the replacement of people better than Ukraine can. Mm. That's that's the manpower is the big issue for Ukraine. Such a smaller population. Yeah, exactly. Now, your plans to go back? Any plans in the future? Probably not. Future, um, no. To Ukraine, um, I've said some things like, like on this podcast that people mm. will pick up and be like, "Well, that's Russian propaganda." Yeah, and it's not. It's it. I believe it's the truth. But you know, people uh, in some of these militia groups and stuff over there are not happy about people speaking actively out against this even if they know it's true, um, which is disappointing. Um, and the, the controlled media there is it, it, it is pretty controlled. Like, yeah, not, you know, free media like we would like to think. Um, and, you know, right, of course, Russia's well off the books as well. So I'll probably be from afar looking in, maybe go back, but I'll see. And as well, and this sounds bad, that I need interest in it. Like, I need interest in the war to go. Like, because I fund, I fund myself. I need to make, I need to make the views to fund a, $20,000 trip there, say, because it's, it's not cheap with fixes and I'd need to buy a vehicle and, whatever. Mm. Um, and flights. But I need to be able to make that worth it too. What's well, hard when people's eyes are peeling off somewhere else. What about the, the Russian side? Is, is, would that be a possibility? I don't know. Um, one, it would be incredibly controlled. Like, you know, in Ukraine I could say and do basically whatever I wanted and the worst threat is, well, not the worst, but you may get kicked out of the country, you might get arrested, whatever. Um, but you're pretty open with what you can do and upload. 
Russia would be very different from from what I've seen with um, some of the media that work there. You've got guys like embedded with Russian soldiers, but it's like, yeah, but yeah, what footage is getting looked over and what are you allowed to say and do and whatever here? Um, it's an easy place on that front line for someone to go missing. I got hit by a shell, you know, yeah. um, and I've been fairly outspoken against Russia. Um, I think once the war ends, once that sort of pressure drops, then I'll go because I want to interview the soldiers over there. Um, and I, I know I know some Russian soldiers who are like, yeah, like one of them told so I said, well, what would be when Wagner Group moved to Belarus? I'm like, well, okay, I can't get a visa probably to go into Russia, but you can visa for entry for 30 days into Belarus. What would be the ability for me to come to Belarus and interview these guys that just marched on Moscow? Like they just marched on Moscow and went to Belarus. And he said, don't go. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the one that links me up with the Wagner PMC interview. Um, and he was like, not at the moment. Because he was like, the, he was like, you got to remember, this guy's a very smart guy. He's a medic in the Russian army, but he's a um, uh, a vet. Uh, he actually tried to come to Australia to be a, a cattle vet and didn't get his visa approved. So he's a vet in bloody um, Russia, but ended up as a medic. Um, same shit, I guess. Um, and yeah, he, he was like, while tensions are high, these guys are proper mercenaries. Like, you know, we have private security guys in Australia mm. and PMC and this, it's not like that. It's, it's looking after. These are killers. Yeah, the, these dudes are mercenaries. Like these yeah. guys will work for money, will do war crimes, will do it. And Wagner has multiple different arms. You've got the combat guys, you've got the storm guys, which just fucking run at guns. And then you've got the very professional guys that uh, sit, you know, sit with a billionaire bloody drug cartel somewhere and train them and work like that. Like these proper, there's no ethics. It, it is, it's just who pays the most, what needs to be done, and this shit's efficient in somewhere like Africa, man. Wagner has basically kicked the French out of Mali because it's efficient. It's way cheaper to do that. Like what is cheaper to just go and like, well, that village is causing problems. What's cheaper? Cause a genocide mm. or try and police it? Like, it, and that's where this shit, it sounds fucking horrific, but that's why they've got so much influence there too. Right, like Wagner's influence in, in Africa is insanely big, way bigger than people think. It's huge. And they've got shitload of combat experience, a heap of money um, as there's funding both out of the Russian government and from other private industries too. It's like Gazprom, who's Russia's gas company. Yeah. One of the biggest companies in the world has their own PMC. Unbelievable. It'd be like, it, not even on the same level, but it'd be like if BHP had a PMC. <laughs> Fucking what? <laughs> to protect their interest. Um, yeah. And their interest is Russian gas. And Wagner's the same. But I, I do plan to, like I've interviewed a guy from Wagner, um, and he bought one of my fucking Willy's Wanker Group hats. So that's fucking funny. But I think I will at some point, and I've got some guys who will talk to me. It's just timing. It's just timing. It's like yeah. not now. We yeah. like we just yeah. fought in Bakhmut and you criticise us. Then we marched on Moscow. Then Prigozhin got killed. And you want to come through the fucking West and interviews and criticise what some of the crimes have done. Probably not the best time to walk into a camp for 2,000 of these dudes. Fair enough. And I don't think the AFP is going to come get me from Belarus. Like, like you know. Um, but on that, an interesting thing, I don't think I've actually said this publicly. Um, here's a little snippet for you. What I, what I was getting told off some of the guys there was when Prigozhin got killed, when his um, Embraer plane got shot down, we everyone presumed that it was the Kremlin because Prigozhin mm. was a legitimate threat to Putin's leadership. And he was. Prigozhin was a very popular man. He was... Love him or hate him, he had charisma. Like he was the only leader 
that I'd seen out there standing in front of bodies being like, yeah. your poor funding. Call out fucking people. You, these guys like, are dead yeah. because you didn't send us fucking shells. Mm. These are my men. These are fathers. These And that video, I just think like, yes, it's propaganda, but it's it's pretty fucking intense. Like, yeah, he's there in buck mode going, Calling out you are the well. reason these guys yeah. are dead. Gee, I wouldn't have that to do it to bloody the leaders in the ADF. <laughs> like I'd end up in fucking jail down here somewhere and he's doing it to the Kremlin um, and was very popular. Um a very powerful person. So everyone assumed it was him that he, Putin took him out. What the Wagner guys speak to say is they actually believe it was the French. And it aligns within weeks. You go back and have a look, and History Legends has done uh, – he hasn't covered this specific thing, but what he said is he's done a bit on, like, the influence in Mali and in um, Africa for France, Wagner's influence, and then taken out Putin. And it lines up, like, perfectly – and the Wagner guys are going, we believe, like they all believe French. that it was actually the French, um, some undercover op took him out because, well, this whole story goes, it was a cask of wine got delivered onto the plane that blew up near the wing um, under the right strut where they're on that model plane. There's like a storage area. And it's like, well, it came in wine, it did this. And that's what the Wagner guys are believing. Now, I think most likely it was Putin going, fucking fire a missile at him. Fuck <laughs> Put this, this on it. Fuck yeah. this guy. But I'll tell you, for people who want a bit of a bloody um, tinfoil hat. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. Ooh, conspiracy a, good one. a conspiracy from from guys within Wagner PMC who these guys have all the reason in the world to believe it was the Kremlin. They think it was the French because French they were like, well, we just did all this in Africa and fucking kicked them out. And then our leader gets taken out along with all these other guys who were doing trips at the time from Africa to Russia to discuss these things. That's that's the tinfoil hat conspiracy yeah, from right. those guys. Um, Maybe Wagner's after me now. It's, more, yeah. it's either the, the Wagner's are after me or the fucking French are after me. Or the, <laughs> or the Kremlin, but yeah. Yeah, right. Just beat, Mates. beating these Frenchies with a fucking baguette. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Mates, uh, yeah, fuck. All right. We'll tie that up for the Ukraine side of things. Yeah. Now, obviously, most recently, um, since October 7, uh, that day in uh, Israel mm-hmm. that occurred, not long after, young Willie's thought, you know what? I'm an independent uh, journalist mm. now. You are. You are. You are yeah, a journalist. I'd say so. You are reporter journal. Yeah, reporter journal. Yeah. A good one. Uh, Not like those other flogs that we've. Yeah. Well, I don't have to. I don't have to hold up any standard. Like, well, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't have to. Yeah, exactly. I don't right. have to bow have to, to any side. Exactly. Open, There's no yeah. CEO. You are the CEO. Yeah. You make the calls. So as you know, uh, the Israel-Palestinian uh, or Hamas uh, war kicked off uh, essentially October seven. Mm. Infiltration of the borders of uh, Israel killed a whole bunch of civilians. And I was actually just watching a video yesterday saying that uh, it wasn't Hamas. They were just civilians killing civilians, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, which has all come out now, uh, obviously led by Hamas. Hamas made the, the infiltration to make it happen. Um, obviously, you've been over there, yeah. mate, and I've watched a lot of your live streams. Some of your live streams went six, seven, eight hours long. Yeah, getting hit by missiles start- in between them. Yeah, yeah. Getting, yeah hanging out with uh, Avi Yemeni. Yeah. And uh, sharing, you know, your independent stories, mate. So run us through, obviously, what's what's going on over there at the moment. Well, firstly, I'll pick, I'll nitpick language. They didn't come over and kill them. They came and murdered them. And it wasn't only murdered them. They came and raped, murdered, tortured. It was horrific. And people that – there's an amount of people that would deny that it happened are fucking idiots. There is CCTV. There is Hamas body camera footage. There are young 17, 18-year-old people at these festivals by the hundreds. It's like landing on the moon. 
the amount of people you'd have to pay off to make that secret last would be fucking insane. It would leak. And you're talking to this 17-year-old guy who's, you can see in his eyes, just traumatised as fuck. And he's going, yeah, they were raping my friend next to me. It was horrific what happened October the 7th. And it wasn't just Hamas, nor was it really Hamas-led. Like, yeah, Hamas were the soldiers that went in. But back through the IGC, through to Iran, through um, Hezbollah, all the, there's so much influence in this shit. Um, and... Yeah, there was a lot of civilians came across the board as well. People don't realise this, that, you know, I was talking to McCarver Commander, who, a McCarver 4 Commander down there, and they ran out of ammo in the coax. They ran out of, gu- out of ammo on the 50 on top, and then they were shooting bloody um, Hamas guys coming through the fucking fence with the main gun, 120 mil. He's like, we're shooting Sabos, and then we're shooting Heats, and then we're shooting Hesh just into fucking dudes with AKs. And he's like, then it, and then we're running them over. Like, there were that many coming through. He said, then we didn't know what the fuck to do because half of these were civilians. They were well, dressed like civilians. They were no guns. They were running across. And a lot of the perpetration done was actually by mm. – well, they're not – when people say they're civilians – Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they're combatants. They, yeah. As soon as you have stepped across that, you're a fucking combatant. Of course, yeah. Um, fair enough. Um, but people need to realise there was, you know – 4,000 people-ish. That's a very rough estimate. Cross. Kill somewhere in the vicinity of 12, 1,400 people brutally. Like, fucking brutally, dude. Um, and there's a lot of footage unreleased that media got to see of putting babies in boiling things, uh, boiling pots and pans of water and cutting fetuses. And there's footage out there, and I can vouch that it's and a lot of Australian and American, both security team guys who you'd know, as well as um, guys at journos, who have seen that and are like, why would I bullshit you here? The Mossad's not fucking paying me. As much as I wish they were, they'd probably pay well. Um, they're not fucking paying me. Um, and that shit happened and people wanted to deny it. And then we saw the attack, what is very concerning. So people pay off the attack. Of, oh, they came in on paragliders and they fucking swam in and took some motorboats and they came through, they knocked down the fence with the bulldozer and ran in. Okay, that's on the surface. It looks like that. At the end of the day, this was a coordinated air, land, and sea attack that had coordinate. It was coordinated between itself. It was fucking successful, and it had all three of those elements, which are incredibly hard to use together effectively. And in uh, Netavot area, which is sort of mid Israel, uh, sorry, mid Gaza way, um, they made it up up to about 38, 37 kilometers in. That is a hell of a fucking long way to make it. Like, that is a long, long, long way in, um, in a coordinated attack. And that coordination is something we didn't see. We haven't seen that in Afghan. We haven't seen that where, like, the Taliban out there were not having air, land, and sea attacks no, coordinated. No. The most coordinated they had was complex ambush. Yep. That was it. Tunnel systems, whatever, which you come up with if you're air living fucking out there fighting long enough, which they've been fighting out there for 100 years. Yeah, well, 1,000 years. They come up with that shit. But this thing, this is planned and they have oh, I've got some photos um properly engineered um wire cutting explosives and and a lot of shit is north korean or iranian or old russian shit that's coming through and it's coordinated as fuck it, that that's the big concern is what scale it was on and what will we see and, and just as and you know last month we saw then the houthi rebels do a fucking tag east style attack on a fucking ship Mm. Like, yeah, okay, it's not taggy's fucking fast rapid. But at the end of the day, they flew a fucking, I think it was a Mi 8 helicopter onto the deck of a moving ship and fucking took it over. Like, that's still pretty, I'd fucking like to do that. That's pretty fucking impressive. You're like, hang on, 
there's a lot more coordination going on here behind the scenes um, of who's training and coordinating these elements. And the running thing is that these Hamas guys were able to exit through the tunnels out into Egypt, into maybe Iran, somewhere, we're not sure, maybe um, maybe up into the north and then train on this sort of stuff because this isn't just something you put together. There's also then the question of how the fuck did Israel miss this? Gaza is tiny. That's the biggest thing. It's tiny. You, yeah. You've been to Kabul yeah, multiple yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. We had, with the PTID system, you had fucking eyes everywhere in all mm. of Kabul. You couldn't take a shit without the PTID seeing you or a, one missile could not come in or without a warning, whatever. And that was Kabul. Far, far bigger than Gaza. How did this get missed by one of the best intelligence services in the world? Incredibly. The soldiers posted there the whole time. There's all these spies within bloody Gaza. Like I've heard lots of people say you couldn't swing a cat in Gaza and not hit an Israeli spy. And this got me, and this wasn't built up for a week. This was people I've heard up to four years planned, but it seems more like 12 to 18 months planned. Mm. You've missed every indication of this, uh, which starts the conspiracy of we needed something to happen to then have the equal, or we to have a response. And it goes down the same. I, li- I liked him for that conspiracies because sometimes they're fucking. Well, it's like propaganda. There needs to be some truth in the bullshit. And it's people say it's like 9 11, that 9 11 needed to happen to then have the invasion in Iraq. We couldn't have done one without the other for Afghan, that area. Where this, Israel could not have gone in and taken out Hamas like they're trying to now without a pre incident. So maybe they knew something was happening, maybe this was some build up. I can't believe they missed it. I'm sort of on the side of they just got fucking complacent and missed it. But it's. It's human nature. Well, they hit, and we've yeah. seen it. And You've we've, seen oh, it in the military. Yeah. Oh yeah, complacency. You know, I've seen it in the military. Well, people did not think they had this amount of power. No, exactly. Yeah, to fire thousands of missiles in. Yeah, they're unguided. They're fucking whatever, but there's still thousands of them. You can over. You can still get through the Iron Dome. Ones get through. Um, the Iron Dome is very fucking impressive, but it, yeah, it's, it's a concern. And then Hezbollah up in the north. That's a massive concern because they're far more powerful than Hamas. Yeah, they're in numbers somewhere between sixty and hundred thousand. They're properly kitted out. Like I've seen photos of mustards in fucking peltors and cry shit. You're like, hang on, <laughs> like these dudes know. Like they, they, some of the training shit, these guys know what they're doing. It's not just dudes in sandals anymore. And that's the that's going to be the, the fucking danger. And and the technology advantage now, the gap is just closing between our advantage we had. We used to have, well, the biggest advantage we started with in the Middle East was we owned the night. We had all the night fighting capability in the world. They were fucking out there with the Mark One eyeball. That's getting close. Even till the end of Afghan war, that was getting fucking close pretty quickly. Now, we have better night fighting capability. They have night fighting capability, It's but the gap's tiny. Mm. The drone fighting capability is even worse that we have, if not worse, like realistically there will be insurgents groups with better FPV drone capabilities than the Australian Army does. Yeah. Like – and you talk to anyone on the front line in Ukraine, what scares me? Drones. We don't have suicide drones. We don't have them. No. Like, like, and this is what scares everyone. This is what's bringing in the artillery. This is what is killing people in the front is this shit. And you don't think that these guys, these fucking terrorist organisations, aren't scrolling Telegram going, well, that works, and we can build them for $300 Cheaper, and yeah. play a game online. There's On Steam, on like the computer program, there's a Russian-made game to learn to fly an FPV drone Fuck into off. trenches. Yeah, yeah, wow. there's a game. I'll show you later. Um, yeah, it, literally you can get like a PlayStation controller or an FPV controller, plug it into your computer, pay five bucks for the, for the application, and you are flying around 
in a war zone, going into trench systems, going into tanks, drive, you'll have a tank driving, hitting infantry in the open. It's fucking crazy. And you can train like that and learn to do it. And it's accessible now to everyone. So these terrorist organisations, man, it, it, this is just the absolute beginning of where this goes. And the Houthis, they're, they're about to find out. Like they're fucked around. They're, they're, this is where Australia looks like fucking dickheads mm. denying the request for a ship from the, from the States in. Like who are we to be like, no, fuck off. Um, especially the importance of coming up through the Red Sea through Suez Canal. Because if you don't go up through the Red Sea Suez Canal, you have to go all the way around yep, yep. bloody Cape Town, all the way up to Europe. That The link between Asia and Europe gets extended by bloody double or more. Huge fucking problem for world trade. And the Houthis, they know this, and so they're hitting ships in there. It's the same with you have that. That's where the pirate area is, where the Somalians were hitting the pirates. It was right in the bottom of that. Um, and that caused a big issue. That's somewhat on top, somewhat on top of it now, but the Houthis firing Iranian missiles in. Like they're just sending off anti-ship missiles, man, just fucking into ships, into civilian cargo ships. Fuck. And it's all Iranian shit. Now, one of the big things that's come out of the media as of late, I guess, was the retaliation of the Israeli forces. Now they're saying that the Israelis have come out too fucking hard and they did too much and Blah, blah, blah. Is, what, what, what's the reality? You know, again, we're, we're yeah. only getting fed what we're getting told by all these mainstream media fucking outlets here in Australia. Oh, it's fucking brutal. Mm. It is fucking brutal. Like, I was there in- Would you not expect it, though? Well, y- y- you don't do? get to pick the reaction if you're yeah. the attacker. Yeah. If I push someone in the, in the pub tonight, I don't get to pick what he does to me. If he fucking no. whacks me in the face or he walks off. I, that's out of my hands. Um, and many will say- we're in the fuck around phase. Oh, sorry, we had the fuck around phase. Now we're in the find out phase. Now in the find out phase. Yeah. And Israel, well, we can say, oh, we shouldn't be. What effect? Like they've sort of been like, I don't give a shit what the UN says. We're doing this. Good. Because the UN has no pull. Like, what is if the UN Security Council goes, oh, we don't want you to. You can just tell them to fuck off. <laughs> like yeah. you can just do that now. You know, has there been some targeting of missiles that I've seen? I sat there watching these fucking missiles strike 600 metres from me. Um, is there some that are questionable? Yes. Has all the intelligence been released on it? No. And that's something I think Israel could do a lot better, is they should be more open with this. They should say, you'll see this strike on this hospital. We'll look at this footage for the month prior of these soldiers running in and out of it. Now, the civilian casualties are very, very high, and we know their heights. It's shocking. In the strip? In the strip. It's, it's yep. unbelievably high. That said... Just, just ha- on that, Hamas, see where they're getting those reports from. Well, this is, this this is, is what I was going to go They said Hamas were giving Well, Hamas sit out. in power there. Uh, yeah, Hamas is equivalent the to the government there, basically equivalent. And, yeah, he's being released through the hospital. It's Hamas numbers. And the higher that number is, the more it benefits them. They have all the – like, the, if you're fine, if you're Hamas, you want civilians to be getting killed. So people start leaning and sanctioning Israel. That's what you want. As fucked as that is, as fucked as that is, it helps their bloody cause. Of course. And I am the biggest advocate of free Palestine when it comes to freeing Palestine from us. It's not mm. – I've been there and I went there with no expectation. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. I'm not fucking nothing. And I went there with no preconceived ideas of anything. Other than the people holding down Palestinians, it's not Israel. Now, West Bank – Bit different, but we're talking Gaza. Israel is not, except for the soldiers in there now since the seventh. But Israel fully had left Gaza. They were giving visa work permits to come into Israel and work. This is how a lot of the intelligence got gathered. 
um, was by those people coming in for work of targeting where to go, how to get through the fences, whatever. And it's it's down the line of the people holding you down is Hamas here, free Palestine of Hamas. And if Israel's still there, then fucking get Israel out of there. That Then that's bullshit. But at the end of the day, it's pretty hard to be like, oh, no, 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 these are the good guys. No. <laughs> like, like the people who are freedom fighters, as people will say, and people that I've just seen, these average people make excuses for Hamas, which is just insane in my inbox. Like, well, you would do this too. These are freedom fighters. No, you wouldn't. Not the savagery they did. If they went, if they jumped in to Israel and went for the military base and whatever, fucking fair game. Like, you know, you're fighting soldiers, war's on. But they purposely did not go to, they purposely went to areas where there wasn't soldiers. So they went to civilian areas to cause as much damage as possible. They're not freedom fighters, they're terrorists. That's what people need to take forward first. And they're holding a number of hostages. Now, I don't know the exact number of hostages now. No one really does with how many have probably been killed. Now, they will say they all got killed through Israeli airstrikes. I think there's probably been a bit of the bloody, mm. you know, terror special. Um, but in this ceasefire campaign, okay, release the hostages. The people marching down the street here with ceasefire in Gaza, their second sign of the fucking first sign should say release hostages. If Hamas release the hostages, then they have a leg to stand on for ceasefire. Until that point, fuck off. Like, you don't get to say what, what they do. Um, and I'm not saying I'm for all the bombing. Like, some of it is fucking insane. Like, you know, we'd stand there, you hear, hear F-16s, F-15s come over the top and just unload fucking 20 tonnes of bombs onto an area. Uh, but... You talk to some of the guys, and these aren't monsters, man. Like I talked it's, – it's actually – you can't speak to current serving Israeli soldiers. You're not allowed to, um, part of the ruling, um, especially since then because very sensitive topic. And I was very lucky to speak to some of the Tier 1 Special Forces. Got in, like insanely fucking lucky. Uh, the guy I spoke to in the Balaklava, it could be one of, if not the first, ever English interview out of that unit. Um, I wish I could say the unit because it's fucking special. Um and these guys aren't evil, man. Like, he's there, fucking tears in his eyes for what he saw. And he was explaining to me what he saw on the 7th. So I went in this building and we capped this dude and blah, blah, blah. We thought it was a counter-terror op. Next thing, I'm just fucking shooting. I'm changing mags. Like, when the fuck do you change mags in counter-terror, like, in a house? You're killing all these dudes. And then there's fucking kids in And he's crying, man. And he's hey, this guy, he's older guy, like, you know, mid to late 40s. He's been in in, in a Gaza in the West Bank for his whole life. Mm. And he's there breaking down. Um, in a private interview with me. He's not bullshitting me. Um, if fucked, man. And these guys aren't monsters. Um, and there's multiple times too of of air, of times F-16s and 15s pulled off operations too. That they, no, no, we're seeing people and pull off the target. Uh, they roof they roof knock buildings. You know, they drop a smaller charge on the roof of a building and then that to say that is going to be targeted next. That building is coming down next. Um, is there an ethical way to bomb the shit out of someone? No. Should you ever bomb the shit out of someone? Probably not. But if you are the if you're the attacker, you don't get to say no. Exactly that. right. And this is and this people will go. People love to put shorter terms on this. Well, Israel invaded this area in the forties and fifties and blah blah blah. And you're like, hang on, this has been going on for fucking ever. Israel has agreed to the majority, if not every single two state solution. Gaza Hamas has ignored or rejected every two-state solution put forward. That's something we need to have first, that, hang on, they've rejected all these. 
Now, whether you believe or disbelieve someone has a claim to that land, well, Christians do as well. It's a, it, To say there's not a religious element, you're an idiot as well. <laughs> like, there, it, I get when people say it's not a holy war. Okay, that's that's fine. But to say there's not a religious element, well, then why are people the unlark bar but killing people? Like, <laughs> there, yeah, there's a religious exactly. element to this exactly. war too because otherwise you'd go, well, Jerusalem's a bit of a shithole. Like, it's an old mm. sandstone buildings. If there wasn't a religious element, no one would want it. Like, you know. Um, so there's definitely that element as well, but yeah, people people I jump up and down who uh, don't know what's going on. Like I think it's very religious. Oh, of course it is. Let's let's be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it, it's it's interesting just to see these Hamas apologists, and that scares me. That scares I, me. I, in the I UK and Australia, I don't get it. You will see guys dressed in green headband and a flag, or even a Hezbollah flag, or an ISIS flag, or a Taliban flag. And you're like, since when are these guys fucking heroes? No. And the people in my inbox being like, you don't understand. I'm like, I understand. I've seen the shit. These are terrorists, man. Is every Israeli soldier following to the bloody, the letter of the law? Probably not. Al Jazeera put up a video before of, you know, they arrested this guy in a bloody service station or whatever and, and stood on him and stood over him. Okay. That's a bit different from infiltrating a festival for peace. The fucking festival for peace, the, no, the Nova festival for peace. This, do you know the reason it was on the fucking Hamas, oh, sorry, the Gaza-Israel border? Was it was like a fucking free Palestine fucking rally, dude. Like yeah. these young hippie kids go to this festival for peace because it's fucking peace. They're pro-Palestine people. And you've gone in there and raped and murdered and bloody broken that girl's arms and taken her back across the fucking border. Don't tell me those guys are the good guys. And the civilians there chanting, fuck them too. Like at the end of the day, this, if they've come across that border and they're – any, as soon as they've crossed that border yeah. and they're putting people in cars to take hostage, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're armed or not, that's a target. Um, and where people have gone, well, the Apaches were, were hitting targets going back to Gaza, you're like, well, yeah. Like, well, we don't – I'm not saying I agree with everything Israel's done, but I sure as fuck cannot stand at all for what Hamas has done. And it no, is, definitely not. Definitely and not. it is a scary thing where people apologise for this shit and it's like, well, you know – and there's responsibility. No one's putting any responsibility onto Egypt. Why the fuck is Egypt not going, we're taking all the civilians out of Gaza? Yeah. Why, why it, are all the other countries in there who fucking hate Israel, all the countries that hate Israel, why then are you not standing up and taking Gazans out? Why are you not doing that? And that I'll leave people to speculate on that. But the best thing I heard off another special forces member over there is he said, I wish that Hamas loved their children more than they hate Jews. And it's fucking true. They will put children in the line of fire to make the Jews look bad or to kill Jews. Yeah. And it is, it is, it is true. If they didn't come across, Israel would have had nothing to do in there. Now, there's conspiracies about things in the north and you know, different trade routes. I guess we'll see that come. But it's pretty fucking wild, dude, uh, over there. <laughs> Fuck, it, it's pretty logical. If it's, it's October 7 didn't happen, mm. we wouldn't be talking about this. No, well, we would at some point because something to, to would an happened. extent. Yeah, exactly. To an extent, well, this, yeah. this, it wouldn't have happened. It would have been no, some of the solutions. Just, and just the normal uh, minor skirmishes, I would say, yeah. that they've been having for the last oh, fucking forever. forever. And people love to put a shorter time frame on this than it is. Yeah, people love to put you know eighty year time frame, post World War Two, whatever. No, yeah, no. It, it, it's 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 yeah. There's things that have happened, but it's it is far longer than that. And the conf- it is so confusing when people break down who has rights to this land and this and that, and you're like, oh, well, you're going back through biblical texts and yeah. this bullshit and you're drawing pretty long bows for some shit. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and? Like, like, I've, got, I've got to admit, there's a bit of me that's like, 
Well, you don't, like you, you may have, and that's why, you know, you can come in on areas into the West Bank and this and that and visa are allowed, but there's plenty of fucking countries around the world where people have a right to land that they don't fucking have. Mm. We live in fucking Australia, I'm a fucking white dude in Australia. Now, I feel no guilt at all for living in Australia as a white guy. If you draw bows back hundreds of years, should I be here? I don't know. But it's the way things are in the world. It's like it, it, this is how the world sort of works. As fucked as it may be, man, um, it's like this is this is part of it. And it's any rights that the Gazans had, the, the people that lived in Gaza, and now have probably gone for fucking 50 years. Like if I must get killed, do you think they're going to open those visas back up? No. Like – but the, the threat is, and something we can go into, I guess, is the further radicalization of militants. That for yeah, every, for every one Hamas guy that Israel yeah. kill, they'll probably radicalize 50 around the world. Yeah. And that's the worst part because there's a lot around the world. Oh, I can't believe we haven't seen more terrorist attacks in, in Australia. I think it's, in the, I think it's, it's it, imminent. It's, it's building, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I think it's in absolutely. Plan, it's in the planning stages for sure. Yeah. It, it, it absolutely. And I think, I think, man, if you see some. 17-year-old girl in the UK flying a fucking Hamas flag, that's radicalisation. Like, that is radicalisation. Like, you you have radicalised someone to completely believe your idea propaganda. You go there, love, and see how that, like, and to be honest, the propaganda campaign's been pretty fucking successful. Like, to have queers, queers for Palestine, queers for Hamas. Fuck. I, what? I've lost the plot what? when it comes to that shit. It, 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 like B, it makes zero sense. Be LGBT. I couldn't give a fuck who you fuck, what you no, do, whatever. No. But you go there. Go there and try that shit. Go to, go to, go to fucking go to Tel Aviv and do it. No one gives a fuck. People may look at you a bit funny because you've got, you know, Orthodox Jews, whatever. You're not going to get fucking strung up. Uh, you might get looked at funny, whatever, you know. Um, for, for go, to, go to fucking Gaza. Go to Gaza and do it. Oh, you know, this is bullshit. That's just bullshit. Oh, no, Hamas wouldn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Know. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a difficult situation, man. It's it's hard. And the, the land claims, pff, so many people have so many claims to land around the world. And like I said, Christians have a claim there too. Um, that's where there's all those memes about fucking crusades back through there. But Yeah. Um, like, yeah, fuck. <laughs> the West Bank is a bit, I'm not fully over all the West Bank because that's more difficult in that. Um, because you've got the, all these little pockets. But, yeah, it, it's what happened and the response, yeah, maybe maybe the response was over the top. Maybe it was. That's for, I guess, people to make up their own mind on what it is. But I will say as well, if someone came into Australia, killed, raped, tortured thousands, well, over a thousand people, took back a few hundred, I would have very, very little fucking sympathy for further attacks, like for, for then – Eating, eating back, um, very little, and yeah. that's that's what. And you and I spoke in the car about this that the equivalent numbers are huge. Israel's a pretty small country. Yeah, the equivalent numbers are in the thousands um, of it. And look at look at nine eleven, significantly smaller attack. If you look at the percentage population, of course, yeah, significantly smaller. And well, there's ranges of numbers from five hundred thousand to over a million were killed after those attacks. So, yeah, it, it's it's. Yeah, you're never going to sing Kumbaya and get along with everyone. Yeah. But. When, when yeah. did you get to Israel? Uh, I don't actually know the date. Maybe the 11th or 12th within so, a few days. Well, I was there still when they were finding – oh, I was there for a couple of weeks, but I was still finding dudes. We got in a shootout uh, in uh, – fuck, I can picture where it is, but I can't picture the, the town. 
uh, I'm sorry, a picture of the town, I can't picture where it is on a map. Um, and we we were there, basically went in with like these cops, escort, whatever, and to show us this building where they had a, a shootout with these guys. Um, where they rescued these people and killed some masters. There's still blood everywhere. There's tourniquets on, there's still tourniquets on the ground. Um, like it's still pretty fucking, yeah. Um, next thing, cops taking me and Arvi down, like into the fucking ground. There's all footage of all this. As a fucking, sh- they found some Hamas dude in the fucking town. They're still fine. Yeah, they're all, not still, but they were still finding them for weeks after. Um, infiltrating or hanging out there. Yeah. Like pretty fucking easy, man. You come into an area of 100,000 people or 50,000 people, you can fucking hide. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, man. Um, up to 40Ks in, you think if you have 40Ks of range to hide yourself, fucking easy. Um, they killed so him. How, but yeah. how, how far did you get into, you know, obviously by the time you were there, Gaza Strip's starting to yeah, so I never, wind up. Yeah, so I never stood foot in Gaza. Yep. Um, you, you can't get across. No one can. Even if you go uh, down in, down into Egypt and try and you can't get through. Uh, but we were 500, 600 metres away from the fence line. Uh so you're fairly close. Like you're dropping bombs pretty bloody close uh, and firing uh, Kassam missiles directly at our positions. Um, if anyone had watched my thing, we had a oh, multiple occasions of Kassam's getting engaged over the top of me and I also had a Kassam land uh, from where I normally filmed. I was driving there at the time and five, six metres from where I'd normally stand. Um, so, yeah, yeah, like within it. Uh, and we also had instances of infiltrators too. This this was the worst because I don't speak fucking Hebrew was if you're doing some stuff, you'd hear the alarm and you'd go, well, that's probably just a missile attack. And then somebody speak Hebrew, no, no, that's that's actually like an infiltrator coming through. So we had multiple times of yeah, Hamas infiltrating into positions where we were. Well, it always is a bit like, fuck. Um, we had ATGM fired directly at us as well. Uh, Brothers and Books. Oh, sorry, Brothers and Books. Um, Battles and Beers. Yep. Uh, let's yep. get this too. Battles and Beers was with me. A really fucking good dude. Like anyone fucking, he's awesome. Uh, yeah, him and I were in a position. We had an ATGM, which is the most fucking terrifying sound in the world coming at you, um, come like right at our position. Uh, we're with these um, Israeli soldiers on a basically like on a, a sentry point looking into Gaza, fucking looking for guys crossing. Um, yeah. So it was, it was close enough to still be in danger. Um, like de- there's definitely a real threat there. Because um, they were targeting yeah. – Media at one stage. Well, they I wouldn't say targeting, but they don't target if it, shit. If it was just like that fucking that yeah, exactly, way. Yeah, like it's no more efficient than uh, even fucking than like a water pistol as a kid. Just like yeah, yeah. that angle, that direction. Like it, it's just like we just put send it, we make yeah. these missiles underground and we just send it that way. It's fucking not that accurate, but but a lot of missiles still were hitting. Uh, and where we were, most of my time was an area called Starot, northeastern corner of us, right on the corner of Gaza. And, well, the problem was uh, they those areas were all evacuated except for military and some of the media who went there. And the problem was they're like, well, it's evacuated. We're not wasting um, Iron Dome ammunition here. We're going to take the ammunition to places like Tel Aviv, uh, Ashkelon areas, you know, big areas, Jerusalem. Um, we're going to take the ammo there. So sometimes, or a lot of time, the fucking Iron Dome wouldn't engage uh, and you'd be directly targeted with these missiles. And, and if the Iron Dome, like, 
people think that engaging a missile and it's like, it's like no, this shit's still coming down somewhere. Like this is still, still centimeter thin fucking well, centimeter yeah. thick fucking steel, man. It's water yeah, pipe. That's what I mean. Well, that's yeah. that's what the, a lot of the missiles, the missiles we got fired at were fucking water pipes yeah. that humanitarian groups put in to give water into fucking Gaza. They dug up the water pipes, put them into bombs, and fired the fucking back at us. What's well, a bit of a flex, if I'm honest? Um, <laughs> like <laughs> fucking yeah, the boys, but. But it's fucking, you know, you, that shit gets hit over your head. You don't want that fuck coming down. Man. No, It'll exactly fuck kill right, you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it can feel safe than it is. And a lot of people remember I was out there, I got engaged with the missile right over my fucking head. Uh, and I was very, very lucky because um, I, I was too far from cover. Um, it was a stupid mistake on me. I'll say like 80 metres from overhead or anything, like concrete barrier or anything. Uh, and you could see where I was sitting, you could see if missiles went to the right, they're going to Ashkelon. If they went left, they're going to Tel Aviv. If they went vertical, they're coming at you. <laughs> and you'd normally see it launch before you'd heard heard the alarm. And by the end, the alarm wasn't going off because the Iron Dome wasn't there. And you'd be looking, look at it, you'd see it go up, and that was your chance to fucking run. Um, and, yeah, I got I fucking very lucky a couple of times, but it was what it was. Yeah, it it, it just mate. is. But yeah, it's... Yeah, the, the one and a lot of people who watch stream they'll know the one. It was fucked. Um, ended up like in someone's fucking house. <laughs> like, yeah, it was a, a bit of a. And I think I think I moved spots. I was like, this is yeah, that's not good because that's like at me. Like that was yeah, that cunt on the hill, <laughs> you know. And the thing is with the ATGM, like you know, modern cornets or whatever, you get 10, 12 k's of range, and it's like, well, I can see that window of the house. Like I can see that building. That's not ten k's. Like if I can see that, they can fucking see me. That's why in, in the north um, that they're having so much problems against Hezbollah is the south of Israel, Gaza, is very, very flat. The north uh, is very, very hilly. And the hills, you, you just pick any point between 10 to 12K point between hills, you can hit fucking anywhere with ATGM. And, you know, they've got them tanned and mounted to take out the um, Macavas and shit up there too. So they're learning. And it's, it's a fucking – it's a more dangerous area than it feels. It feels – you could go mm. to Starot and be like, oh, you know, whatever. You hear some shelling. You hear the artillery pieces because now it's evacuated. The artillery pieces are in the fucking city and the mortars. Like you'll walk around the side of a building. There'll be a fucking mortar team. Hey, man, <laughs> what the fuck? And like a lot of the Israeli soldiers are dual passport holders, so they're English. Like a lot of American, Australian, English, and they're just – they're fucking firing mortars off the sub. <laughs> what the fuck? Because yeah, right. um, it's completely evacuated. They'll yeah, be on, yeah. You know, wherever. Um, and that's what scared the fuck out of Like, we took cover back in this kid's house. Um, and we didn't know there was a fucking um, self-propelled gun, like, in the fucking drive. We didn't know. We in this house, and we were, like, right next to the barrel of fucking SPG went off and fucking almost killed me. I was, like, I get scared the fuck out of me, man. But Yeah, right. And I was, oh, that was on stream, too, somewhere as well. People yeah. all thought I was fucking dead. <laughs> like, I dropped my phone. And then just, like, well, because, of course, your phone, microphone, would just, would just blow out, pretty yeah. much. Um, and they're like, oh, Willie's dead. But, it, it, yeah. <laughs> But this kid, this kid, man, he was like, fuck, 14 or 15. And his sister was, one was killed. Fucking, I reckon his mum was killed and his sister was a hostage. Maybe it was vice versa. And he was waiting in Starot to kill Hamas because he's like, I'm not fucking leaving. Uh, although he was meant to leave. He's like, I'm staying. And if they come back, I'm killing them myself. Um, I felt sorry for the poor kid. He had nothing. He was just there. Um, and we took over in his fucking house and yeah, chilled out with him a bit. Yeah, right. So you only got back, what, two weeks ago? No, a little bit more than that. Um, Three weeks ago. Shit, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah it, might, it must be a month, I think, because I had a yeah. wedding on and whatever, yeah. but it's been pretty fucking slow going yeah. since. So where do you see, you know, you gave a bit of a, a prediction on the Ukrainian mm. 
conflict. Where, where do you see this conflict? Obviously now Israel is completely within Gaza and it's a lot of videos coming from the Hamas side lately, I've seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Hamas aren't fucking around. They've got, no, they've got yeah. their shit down pat, yeah. man, all the tunnel systems, isn't that? Yeah. Uh, well, this one won't have a defined end. In Europe, a war has to end. Like Russia, Ukraine, war has to fucking Stops, end. yeah. Um, it doesn't work like that. We need – Russia need us. We need them, that area. This war will go to what it was for the last however long you want to fucking poke a stick at. It will go back to smaller attacks, whatever. But Israel will not eliminate all from us. It's, it's possible to do. Look, look at what we tried to do to eliminate terrorist organisations. The Taliban has more power and is bigger than when we fucking went there. Um, <laughs> way, way and, and by a factor. Yeah, um, yeah. And a lot of these other terrorist orgs are – Fucking as well. Better off, yeah. And Hamas will just radicalise more and more people onto their side. And it's not just now radicalising young Islamic men. It's radicalising, like I said, you a 17-year-old university student walking in the street with a Hamas flag, I'm not saying they're going to be a fucking uh, suicide bomber or conduct an attack, but that to me is a point of radicalisation, that you believe something that is against your whole way of life, your country's way of life, your family's way of life, something that your morals and ethics have nothing to do with. Like that per that university student with that flag, nothing about you. That person would cut your head off in an instant if they mm. could. But if you're holding that flag support, that's radicalization. And I think we will see a massive radicalization of that across the Middle East, uh, and that will of course filter into you know the West. And I think it's I think it's going to be a fucking big shock for some people when we're back to this fight against terror at some and what, point. And, and the threat is Iran. What happens with the land? Does Israel stay, occupy, yeah. or do they fucking bug Israel out? Israel will not leave. Um, Israel it, so, Israel yeah. with America, they have so much power, man. Mm. Like at the end of the day, yeah, they've, you know, there's a couple hundred soldiers have died, whatever, but the actual power they have, and this is where I push back against people saying, and people hate me for this, but when I say that what's happening in Gaza is not a genocide, yes, a lot of people have been killed. If Israel wanted to genocide the Gaza Strip, it mm. would be fucking gone. Like if they wanted to eliminate the Gaza Strip, Israel's nuclear power, Israel have a shitload of planes and bombers, whatever, it would be gone. It would be it wouldn't be fifteen thousand or twenty thousand casualties, whatever, you know, Al Jazeera report now, back through Hamas, it would be a million. Like it yeah, it's a small fucking area. Um They did give them forty eight hours to Bug out as well. Oh, no, far longer. No, no, they're yeah. dropping. We saw them dropping saying, pamphlets, yeah. dude. Like, we saw the planes yeah. dropping pamphlets. We saw planes circling areas trying to, like, get the get people out of fucking areas. Like, they'd have a building. They'd, you'd, we'd see them um, roof knock we'd, with a smaller munition. We'd see them roof knock the building. Then we'd see an F-16 doing fucking loops around this area, trying to get fucking people to leave and, and whatever the pilot got, whatever, and then fucking no more building. Um one thing that they did do is they did say go fucking south and then they did bomb south too. So there's, there's elements in this which I'm very mm. critical of Ukraine. I'm sorry, Israel. I'm very critical of a lot of what Israel's done. And I think that's important to do. We can't just say free reign, lads, fucking go for it. Can't do no, that. No, exactly right. We yeah. shouldn't do that that's because we need to hold – if we're an ally of Israel, we need to hold them to our standard mm. or higher. Um, but at the end of the day, there's – I wonder what we would do. Like, you know, we wouldn't do that. Well, wouldn't we? There's plenty of examples where we've done that shit. America fucking firebombed Japan because, well, they've, all their buildings made out of wooden paper. Let's firebomb it. Like, yeah. I'm not saying that's an excuse to do it again, but you need, you, people have a pretty short memory span on what, and the idea too, 
do you really think that if Hamas had the weapons that Israel had, that they wouldn't use them against it? Like, exactly. do you not think that exactly. if, if Hamas had the capability to genocide Israel, they'd do it? If you, if you gave them that, they would fucking do it. And I'm very glad we're not seeing some of these chem dirty weapons pop up, which surprises me for how easy when I speak to guys in the CBRN space about these chemical weapons, dirty bombs, how easy it is to do. Very shocked we're not seeing this shit pop up. Like I'm not one to speak on the development of this shit, but, you know, for instance, we know that Gaza has medical facilities with mm. X-ray machines, um, radiography machines. We know they've got that, and that is the shit you can make dirty bombs with. So it's surprising, but man, not to scare anyone, but we will we will start seeing a huge increase in terror activity, and we are the Houthis bombing mm. ships, Hezbollah up in the north, but is Iran fucking around? Like, and Iran, Iran is the is the bloody person pulling the strings. It it is, of course, that it is. Hezbollah are. A, I have a really good breakdown with a. She was an ex colonel IDF, and then she um, now advises like if an Australian general colonel whatever goes over to. Israel, she advises them on who's who in the fucking zoo. And she works in the north. Um, so her uh, knowledge, I should say, her knowledge on Hamas isn't as much as Hezbollah because she's like, that's a small fish compared to up here. And she's like, oh, well, it's like Hezbollah are, you know, an arm of the IRGC of, of Iran. And then Hamas is like a contractor of Hezbollah. And this is how we see Cornet missiles and modern weapons and all this shit. And that filtration it'll be very surprising to see where this goes. And the surprising is going to be weapons that we've seen be very effective in Ukraine from Iran, your Shahid drones. People go, yeah, but 50% get shot down. But 50% get through too. And they've got fucking Patriot systems and all these other German systems and shit to shoot them down too. That we might start seeing more of that pop up and that's fucking... Un- we, like we said before, we don't have the advantage. If... We went into the war in Afghanistan we had then. We lost 40 guys. We would lose 400, 4,000 if the Taliban were using FPV drones and equipment supplied through that. It would be, oh, it yeah. would be 10. It yeah. could be 100 times. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's the we – have, we had complete freedom of movement at night, complete ISR overmatch, complete weapons overmatch. All three of those get taken down to fuck all overmatch as soon as they've got that capability, which – of course they're going to do that. Like that's exactly where these other groups are going to fucking fund. And even just, you know, threatening supply, you know, through the Suez Canal. Like look look on a map where the Red Sea is Suez Canal and then try and fucking plot a line from somewhere else around to fucking Europe and all your items are just going to cost double. Mm. All your Amazon shit's just double. It's a threat. And they know it. These people are not dumb. These people are not dumb. And Al-Qaeda, we talked about this in the car, Al-Qaeda just picks back up. We haven't. Most people haven't fucking heard of Al Qaeda for fifteen years, mm. ten years. Last magazine release by Al Qaeda, they released a high gloss magazine, was twenty seventeen, and they just rele- just released a new issue. And I won't go too deep into it, but there's concern about some of the tutorials in it about defeating X ray machines at airports um, of people in the know who are like, this isn't fucking good, um, and that is available on fucking Telegram. I've got a fucking copy of it. Like anyone can get it on Telegram. I hope not bloody radicalising people, but this is the thing. Back in the day, if you wanted to join one of these organisations, yeah, exactly. you're in the dark web yeah. and you're fucking yeah. – dude, I'm part of like all I these know, fucking I've groups seen, on Telegram yeah, from all. fucking Wagner groups to yeah. fucking Hootie groups and it's like who's controlling this shit? 
like no one. And it's not illegal to be part of it. And if you made it illegal, it's too hard to police anyway. People can get this shit easy as. Um, and people who have been radicalised and believe they're against the government and they're the bad guys, whatever, dude. And all you need to do is push people against each other. All you need yeah, to do exactly. is you don't need to indoctrinate the left to fight the right or indoctrinate the right to fight the left. You don't need to do that. You need to just push them further apart and they'll fucking fight each other. And we will see that in Washington late this year, early next year. Yeah. I'm going – that's where a trip – I've already planned a trip for whenever the president gets in, whether it's Biden, Trump or fucking whoever, I'm just going to go there and start fucking live streaming because shit is going to go wild. It doesn't matter who wins. Those yeah. sides have got so far apart that – Civil War. Well, who knows? That, well, there's an old KGB thing. If you've read the book called, um, I think it's called A Love Letter to America, he was a KGB defector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks about that. We don't really care who gets in power as long as we separate you apart and therefore push this. And this is a whole theory about what the KGB's operation was succeeding somewhat through the 60s and 70s on doing that. And it probably was. Like, yeah. you know, the people, under, people have this idea of this Western saviour intelligence that – where English Western speakers are the fucking, and you're like, there is incredibly smart people, incredibly smart people in these groups, and as well, people. And this is a fantastic thing about the internet: is anyone anywhere with access to the internet can study and do this and be anyone in the world, and that's fantastic. That a kid sitting in Afghanistan can become a fucking doctor off the internet, and that's fantastic. But. A kid sitting in Victoria or in Afghanistan over with access to the internet could also be able to fucking bomb, bomb and yeah. be intelligent and study this shit. And it's fucking very scary, some of this. Fuck, well. Strap in. Anyway, stay tuned, oh, the, mate. The boys might get some work, mate. Yeah, fuck it. But they yeah, still won't. You know, they war, still war, won't, mate. War is business, mate. We'll deploy war the reserves. Business. Mate, uh, thanks for that. Uh, I've We've got two minutes left on that memory card before it fucking cuts out, Fuck mate. yeah. I've timed this well, done it well. Fuck, mate, fuck uh, you, Scojo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. Fight me. I don't know, fucking hell, he's down in wherever I know, he's meant to be here. I was going to put up a post on fucking Instagram tonight, like, everyone at Singleton, come to the, um, what's, is it the Honeysuckle? Yeah, come to the yeah, Honeysuckle. Scojo's yeah. here. <laughs> Bring boxing gloves. Mate, thanks again. Mate, uh, people want to listen to your stuff, head to uh, your Instagram. Yeah, just, you'll find it. Yep. <laughs> Willie Beaten Cancer, I'm pretty sure yeah, it is. And the Willie OAM to YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I am. Throw it in. Fuck yeah. Someone's got it. Someone's <laughs> mate, got thanks it. again. We'll, uh, oh, mate. Well, we'll, we'll do this again. Yeah, we we'll 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 should Anytime. do some like more common updates on some shit. So we don't mate. go a fucking three-hour podcast. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it bloody is. We've got, well, we got one minute left before it cuts out. Okay. But yeah, mate, that was fucking good. We, we need it because we're only seeing what we're getting told through those mainstream yeah. channels and you're on the ground. Like you're not yeah. fucking fucking well, around. the mainstream's hard. Like Al Jazeera – I believe Al Jazeera is pretty good about Ukraine, Russia. Shocking about Gaza, um, Israel, because they have a fucking they have foot in the game. Yeah, of course. So, and, yeah. and some are good, some other places. So, you know, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get an idea. It's even hard when you're fucking there. Yeah. Like, well, that bomb hit. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, mate. Easy. Thanks, dude. Stay tuned. See ya. Gotcha. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, 
you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.